0: Juntos We Shine, a podcast about inspirational people who lift up and nurture their communities in visionary ways. Hello, I'm Karina Vanda. Welcome to Juntos We Shine, powered by Target. Rosario Dawson is much more than a famous face in Hollywood. In addition to having a prolific film and television career, she's a philanthropist, entrepreneur, not to mention producer, singer, comic book writer, and activist. She's received numerous awards for her tireless efforts to promote social justice, and she's determined to help empower Latinx millennials to become more active citizens. Rosario, welcome to Juntos We Shine. I'm very happy to have you here. And I see your smile, big and beautiful, because (laughs) I know you are excited too. How do you like the set? I love it, (laughs) I
1: love it. And I love all these photos, I'm guessing some
0: family here, good times. It feels just
1: very warm and inviting, thanks for having
0: me. No, thank you for being here with us. And Mm. we have a board. So we put like a phrase that means something to our guest. And you pick the journey is a destination. Yeah. Why? What does it mean to you? Well, I discovered
1: a young man named Dan Eldon because his mother Kathy and his sister put out a book that was a compilation of his sort of photo journals that he used to create. He was killed in Somalia. He was a photojournalist for Reuters. And he had amazing vision and creativity and passion and just beauty and vision for life. And it just has now become sort of like my motto. So they titled the books, The Journey is the Destination. And I've had arguments with people about it because, you know, I have a lot of Military people in my family, and for them, you know, the destination is the destination. <laughs> um, but I, I'm a creative person, I'm an artist, and so for me, it's important to have goals. But you want to stay present every moment of every day, of every second, because you have no idea what's coming tomorrow. So you don't want to get too lost sometimes in, in an idea of the future. And mm-hmm. for
0: you, especially when you have so many projects, <laughs> yeah. you are on fire right now uh, <sighs> with this uh, new series, Briar Patch on USA, mm-hmm. that you are starring, and also you are a producer. Yes. How
1: exciting is that for you? Very exciting. I mean it's also Sam Esmel, who is, you know, he's Mr. Robot. I'm such a huge fan of his homecoming, everything. And it was incredible to have this opportunity to to lead this show. I've never experienced that to kind of be on set every single day <laughs> and see just like this revolution of incredible actors. I got to just really feel the, the whole project not just my character, which is often the case. And um, I'm very excited for people to see this. And
0: this is actually your first foray into a network television series as a producer. Yeah. So double work.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, it's the group of people that it is, the care that was taken into just making sure that we were all going to have a good time. So from the crew to the cast to all of the producers, they're just really good people, really talented, really nice people. And it's an interesting thing is you're seeing in Hollywood this real breakdown of going, you know, do we have to accept that someone is a horrible person just because they're a creative genius. And I think we've allowed a lot of bad behavior in this industry because yeah. we've forgiven them because, well, they're just so creative and they're so talented. Well, there are a lot of really creative, really talented people who are also really kind and nice and good yep. people. I agree. And it was really great to be on a show where you want to show up every day Good vibes only. Good, good vibes, vibes only. <laughs> I can feel that on this set, I have Yay, to say, which is I really cool. I love it. I
0: love it. Well, we have a small clip of this series mm. that actually airs on February 2020. So let's go listen to in action.
2: If you're smart in this life, you'll be afraid of everything.
1: Tell me who killed my sister. So help me God. I will burn the city to the ground. (laughs) Is it bad this turned me on a little bit? I have to say, you know, it's, it's it's so trippy hearing this. The lead character in the original, in the book, was a man. And they changed the character wow. to be me, modernized the role. So it was really fun playing a character. And I was totally challenged to kind of not do a female version of a man, but really be what would that character be if she was a woman.
0: So what was it that attracted you to the role of Allegra Dio? She's
1: such a complex character. It's based off of these uh, Ross Thomas books. He's very beloved. She's like gumshoe, kind of noir kind of worlds. It's weird. It's funny. It's sharp. And I just found it very compelling. This is this woman. She's working for a senator. She's working on this case. She's thinking she can just kind of zoom in and figure out what happens with her sister. And she's cut off a lot of her emotionality. And she discovers that that's not possible. You've lost your sister. It's not something you can just go, I'm going to come down and figure out what happened and leave. Mm -mm. And kind of seeing this sort of breakdown of herself and a recognition of really her power, her family, and her purpose. was just. It was nuanced and complex. And I don't often get to play characters like that. And I I just relished every single day. And and
0: that talks about how brave you are. Not Mm -hmm. only in your professional career? Mm. Because we know social justice is something that you are passionate about mm-hmm. and you have a lot of awards to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you so committed to social change?
1: My great-grandmother, Celestina, worked for the Ladies International Garment Workers Union coming from Puerto Rico. And um, you know, my grandmother used to always say, I may speak with an accent, but I don't think with one. When my mom was a teenage mom, I don't know my biological father, and uh, my dad, who's raised me, met me when I was only a couple weeks old. and adopted me when I was one and the sacrifices and the things that they've done to get me to where I am today and to see what life is really about. It's not just about getting a good job and being successful and then dying. It's it's really about how you contribute to each other and pass it on. I just understand truly how much it takes a village to have grown up watching strangers helping strangers, poor people helping poor people, to have the opportunity and platform that I have right now like with having a microphone in my face, it feels like this is the opportunity to pay. I can't pay it back. And it's not really about paying it forward because it's not, I'm still a part of it. Mm-hmm. It's just about being a part of that contribution.
0: And what was your childhood
1: like? Growing up in the Lower East Side at that particular moment, it was everything on the dark side, where it was the heroin and crack and HIV, AIDS epidemics, um, housing crisis and lack of access to education and healthcare and all these other things. But also, this like remarkable artistry and community and a chosen family of people coming together and the tenacity that people showed to create community where otherwise there wasn't. So there was just mm-hmm. collapsed buildings and, oh. and, homeless people everywhere. And and there was just this sense of, well, this isn't someone else's problem. This is ours. What are we going to do about it? It, For me, it was a very charmed kind of um, childhood. You don't realize how poor you are when you're a kid, if you have love around you. I was six when we moved into a building that didn't have water, heat, or electricity. We had a plywood front door and plastic for windows. But if my parents hadn't done that, we would have grown up. I would have been raised really far out. I was, I was originally born in Brooklyn. And I wouldn't have maybe become an actor because I was mm-hmm. discovered on the stoop of that building. And that's where my career started oh, when wow. I was 15. So I just think about all those tiny, small, little choices yeah. you make. Yep. Suddenly, you know, you never know how profound they can really be.
0: So your mom, can you
1: tell me more about her? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, you know, my mom... She was five foot 11 and a half since she was 13. But, you know, we just call her six foot. And, you know, it's like six foot tall Puerto Rican from the Bronx. That's a lot of personality and energy. There's that song, She's a Brick House. Like, that's like my song for my mom. She was a six foot tall, beautiful woman. She was a great singer and personality. Everyone thought she was going to make it and be the star and stand out. She was one with five brothers. And then she got pregnant. And everyone turned on her like, oh, you're just another you know, unwed Puerto Rican girl, teenage, you know, mom. And, you know, she became a plumber. She learned how to do electrical. Like she did anything and everything. My mom worked jackhammers in the street. She, you know, she took phone calls. She volunteered with organizations. She was so vivacious and so full of life. Just to see her identity and her struggle of wanting to be an artist, but having to choose things to take care of her family. And always, you know, just raising me and with such love. It was never like, oh, I, I gave up so much for you. And I saw how poorly she was treated because of the, you know, the some of the choices she'd made. And I just love her so much because she's just gone through so much and she's always just taken it as God is taking her on her journey. And when you call my mom to this day, she'll go, you go, how are you? She goes, blessed and highly favored, like you and yours and everyone Aww. else. Like she's just and,
0: positive. Yeah, person just positive. And, happy.
1: and so I'm just so grateful to be in a position where I get to just really honor her. I remembered those moments being between when she was treated really poorly to then being like, mm. oh my God, you're a Rosario Dawson's mother. You know, that's what she says. She's Rosario Dawson's <laughs> mother now. And um, this thing that she was so chastised for, and put down for now has become one of her greatest journeys in life and experiences. And being a mom is who my mom is. And she's been so amazing with my, my daughter now, who I've adopted. She can literally do anything, but on paper, she's got a GED. On paper, she's divorced twice. On paper, she doesn't resonate for other people. But for me, she's a powerhouse forever. My grandmother was a poet. Uh, She worked as secretary, but she was a poet. And my mom was a singer, but she was a plumber. You know, like most of the people in my life who were artists had, you know, quote unquote, real jobs. And we were very close. We were the three Isabels, my grandmother's Isabel II, which is funny because there was no first. She's named after Queen Isabel II. So her mom, (laughs) Celestina, named her Isabel II. So her middle initials were Roman numeral too. (laughs) And then my mom is Isabel Celeste. And then I'm Rosario Isabel. And, and your daughter, um, And Isabella. my daughter is Isabella, what? which is interesting because everyone calls her Lola in the press, which is incorrect. Someone made that up years ago, <laughs> and they've been repeating it over and over and over again for years. She hates it. She thinks, <laughs> but I love it because it's such a huge testament as why you don't believe everything that you read. So—
0: <laughs> You started writing songs when when you were six. Yes. What inspired you in that moment to be a songwriter when you You were so little?
1: My mom had this drawer full of scarves, and I would tie all these scarves all over me, and I would perform all the different (laughs) Muppet characters and sing everything. I would sing along with my mom, but she'd go write your own thing. So I remember I was six, and I sat down, and I wrote this song that we still sing together. And what's the song? Uh, It's called, I Want to Party. I want to party. Yeah. It's like really simple. It's like uh, I, I think the lyrics are like, I I wanna, I want a party. I wanna party party. I wanna party party. <laughs> I want a party, party, oh. Like it was just like, I oh, wanna what? party, party all night. And that's it. And it's like, I wanna party, party all night. I wanna, I wanna sing and dance and play all day. So won't you party with me? Because I wanna party with you. Uh, and that was it. That's like super it was my little cute. jingle. Yes, we I, I, like it. It. It's, I think it's actually. Yes, still it's a good super,
0: song. Yeah, it is. It is super cool. <laughs> um, so you told me also about this. The day you were discovered in that building?
1: Yeah, I literally, my dad told me to go downstairs and get discovered that day because they were shooting a commercial on the block and um, he was like, they're looking for dancers and you're always dancing in the living room. You know, (laughs) I've had to vacuum, but really basically it was just me (laughs) performing in the living room singing and he was like, go downstairs and do that. And I ended up getting picked to be a dancer, a dance like as a silhouette Um, But because I was hanging downstairs, there was this crew of people who were scouting locations for an independent film called Kids. And they saw me and heard me laughing. I was talking to someone and uh, they asked me if I would audition. And I remember I was like, what's going on? I called my dad down and he rode me on his bicycle, took his t-shirt off, put it on the pole of the bike, rode me on his bicycle out so I could go to my audition.
0: Oh, It's a
1: very adult film. You know, my character is very sexually promiscuous and, and I had to say some really crazy dialogue. And my parents were totally cool because they knew my biggest dream was to, you know, go to Columbia mm-hmm. University and study civil engineering, which I did do a little bit in high school. <laughs> you know, so they were not worried about me yeah. at all. And so they let me go and do this audition. The only thing they said is my character couldn't smoke. A year later, I ended up getting an agent and then it just kind of kept going. And it was interesting because I had that um, imposter syndrome, you know, of like feeling, you know, I grew up around starving artists. And how is it that I just suddenly get discovered and it wasn't even something I was thinking about? Um, And so I've always just kept waiting for that, like Apollo hook Mm -hmm. to yank me off the stage and someone tell me to go get a real job. Um, But, you know, 25 plus years later, I'm, I'm, I'm still able to do this. It's been amazing recognizing how many people encourage that moment. That's why everything that I do is about trying to to bring honor and celebration to my family. And they're never the heroes of the story, but mm-hmm. they're the heroes of mine. I'm now finally really getting work that I'm really passionate about that I feel like really allows me to share the experience that I've now built up over all these years. And in those first couple of years, I just kept feeling that I somehow lucked out and that it wasn't really mine. And um, I remember a very good friend of mine, she said, you know, Rosario, from the very beginning, you created this opportunity for yourself. And I'm like, I, no, these guys, they asked me if I wanted to be And She goes, yeah, but you said yes. If someone had walked up to me, some stranger had walked up to me and said, hey, do you want to be in a movie? I would have said no, and then that would have been the end of that. <laughs> yes. And I was like, oh, you know, I never yeah. actually considered that, you. that. That you know, but saying yes to life is something that I was taught to do. You know, from from a really early age to, to just be open to exploring and new challenges and and to pushing yourself. And as I now have my daughter in front of me, who's interested in being an artist and is wow. really talented herself, I actually can really, if she wants to really explore this this world and this career. I can really help her. And just thinking again about like my great-grandmother singing and making these clothes, but never having her name on it. Yes. My grandmother having this beautiful poetry and my mom having this beautiful voice, but people not really being exposed to it. I finally like have had this opportunity. If my daughter wants to do this, I can really help her get that dream. And that just feels really
0: powerful. Yeah, and in 25 years, you have done so many things. Drama, thrillers, comedy, musicals. What do you like best? What's your favorite? I love singing and dancing.
1: That's definitely my favorite thing. I always marvel at the idea that I'm working when I'm singing and dancing because I just (laughs) do that all the time, which is why I have no voice right now. (laughs) Um, I love comedy. I wish I could do that more. But I love sci-fi, I love doing things physical, like I'm starting to study kung fu for another job. I just love learning. I think that's what I would say. One of the things that was passed down in my family is just this idea to always continue learning, that there's never a time that you shouldn't be pushing yourself and, and trying um, to kind of grow more. Like my titi Kachi went back to college in like her 50s. I've had these different, people in my life who've just continued to evolve and evolve and evolve. So, you know, me and my mom, we talk about it like we want to be in our hundreds and <laughs> our hovercraft wheelchairs, coding,
0: you know, oh. or doing
1: whatever it is. Like we just, I, we, I might, it's my dream to go back to college. My daughter's mortified at the idea yeah, like that I'll it. end up in college at the same time as her. But I think that would be so cool.
0: <laughs> so do you want to enter uh, civil engineer? Uh, you know, when I
1: took the civil engineering course, I learned that it was a little boring for me. Okay. So I might go back <laughs> to my other passion or dream, which was to be a marine biologist, which oh, I, wow. I think could be
0: really. I thought really a cool. lawyer or something. I don't know. That or mean politics or something. Like I mean, that. I love politics.
1: Yeah. I've been really grateful to be working with Otolatino Latino for so many years, mm-hmm. and to be working with V-Day for so many years, and we said Girls Club for so many years, and just to see the impact of people organizing and advocating. Um, for real, positive, critical change is so powerful. I'm just grateful that so many times I've been able to do that even in my work, you know, from kids, which is the very first movie talking about latchkey kids in New York who are unsupervised and what happens to the drugs and the violence and all of the things that can come when kids aren't being paid attention to and aren't being engaged with, you know, Um, to Rent and to so many other films that have touched on HIV and AIDS, rape, Healthcare issues. I've played roles where, like, my child dies because I couldn't get him an inhaler. It's been an amazing opportunity to have these artistic expressions that have allowed me to tell stories of people that I grew up with who don't normally get to be championed, but also then do press that helps to hopefully change the narrative and conversation so people can have access to understanding why voting is so critical, why filling out your census form is so critical, and how this movie is fictional, but is something that is very still enlightening and educational.
0: How do you feel that your activism has allowed you not only to witness change, but to affect it?
1: I'm blown away. I've been doing anti-violence work with V-Day since I was in my mid-20s. I started Voto Latino in 2004 when I was 25. We've helped to create National Voter Registration Day. We're using an app now to, to register folks. Like, it's just been really remarkable, you know, starting clothing line in West Africa, and when we started the company, it was right before Ebola hit and everyone's going, why are you in Africa? Why not someplace else? And it's like, I don't think you've been to Africa. If you have, then you would know the influence that's been everywhere and how critical it is to be to value the resources that come from there. That is not just minerals, but it's people and it's energy and it's creativity. You know, when we created Voto Latino, people were like why are you talking about the Latin vote? And now it's like, it's the <laughs> swing vote. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> I've been yelled at for years, like, pick a lane. Just pick one organization, one cause, one thing. And now this generation no, is so all about multitasking. Yeah. It's yes. all about, you know, having a degree that is in multiple fields. I feel like I'm coming into you know, the space that I always knew existed. To see these young activists out there Mm -hmm. who are organizing so powerfully from Standing Rock to the Parkland students to Greta Thunberg and all the climate change activists, like it's just been DACA. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really powerful what Mm -hmm. these kids are doing and kids have always been at the forefront of it all. And I just feel really grateful
0: that for the experience that I've built up. And you have to be surrounded by the right people. Yes. Just like you said. And and later on in the podcast we're gonna be talking to a very special person to you oh, yes. who help you to to make this dream come through yeah. the clothing line mm-hmm. with a very special mission. Right on. Let's take a break. <laughs> Hola, queridos amigos de Juntos We Shine. Gracias por escuchar nuestro podcast. Es un placer poder compartir con ustedes entrevistas con personas maravillosas como la que están escuchando en este momento. Ahora nos encantaría saber de ti. ¿Cómo te ha inspirado nuestro podcast? ¿Quién ha sido tu invitado favorito? ¿O cuál de sus historias te ha llegado más de cerca? ¿Tienes una sugerencia de alguien a quien te gustaría que entrevistáramos en el futuro? Déjanos un mensaje detallado en el 646 470 5520 y gracias nuevamente por darnos la oportunidad de traerles estas historias. Si no lo han hecho, asegúrense de escuchar todos los episodios de esta primera temporada. Cada uno de ellos los inspirará. Welcome back to Juntos We Shine Rosario. Uh-huh. We want to introduce our audience to one of your partners in crime when it comes to social change. (laughs) Her name is Abrima Erwaya, and you two launched an incredible vehicle for social change. It's called Studio 189.
2: Mm -hmm. First of all, tell me about how you met. We met through a mutual friend from high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started off as friends, but not the type of friends that we are today. I think it wasn't really until our early 20s when we really started shaping the kind of women we wanted to become yeah. and the mission that we believed in, that it really you know, fostered the people who we are today. Yeah. So at that time, did you know that you were going to do something special together? Yeah, I think yeah. we did. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I mean, I, mean
1: or I will interrupt for a oh, second because my <laughs> amazing friend, Riemann when I first met her, I was so blown away. She was going to this school called Friends Seminary. And it was her and her bestie, Teresa, and her bestie, Paulina. And it was like these three totally different, really interesting, very New York girls who I just just loved so much. And they all spoke French and Italian and English and learning. I was really blown away by how creative and brilliant they were as high schoolers. So as we continued growing and going into college and seeing the majors that she took on and the work that she was in the industry, she went into fashion and was working with Hermes and working with Bottega Veneta. and She just was such a powerhouse, oh. moving to Italy and just living that dream. So I've always been a huge fan of Abrima's and loved oh. showing up for her and coming to visit her <laughs>
2: and, and support her. The idea started long before we actually ended up doing Studio 189, you Yeah, know, like, in our early 20s, we started playing with ideas about how we could work together. Mm-hmm. Rosario was acting, you know, and she was doing all this great philanthropy and social impact, uh, and we would do small things, you know, like uh, she would volunteer her time to raise money for something, and then that money would go towards, for example, the organization she works with, V-Day, to buy necessary vehicles for the women in the Congo, things like that. But it wasn't enough, and we kept trying to figure out how we could do more. and I am American, grew up in New York like Rosario, New York, but also also West African from Ghana and Ivory Coast. And I um, really loved working for all of these various luxury companies, but there's so many people all over the world that do incredible handwork and incredible craftsmanship that are undervalued and underrecognized and that society doesn't think about, Mm -hmm. they don't pay fair prices for, they don't acknowledge, but they're the actual people doing the actual work of the products we're consuming. Mm -hmm. When I was at Bottega Veneta, I had the privilege of going to visit second, third generation artisans. Folks behind the Made in Italy label. And, label. and um, I thought, why can't we also do this in other parts of the world? And then I approached Rosario with this idea. I had heard about social enterprise when Mohammed Yunus won the Nobel Peace Prize for inventing this idea, supporting marginalized communities. Yep. She's a super champion, stood behind me. And she I was just, like, I'm <laughs> down, I'm doing it, what are we doing? And then she invited me on the most powerful trip that I've ever taken to the Democratic Republic of the Congo mm-hmm. for the opening of the City of Joy, which is a leadership center under V-Day dedicated to stopping violence against women and rape. And this was an incredible project where women who had been through incredible trauma. And so they were taught skills and retaught skills in an effort to get back into the community. I was working in Italy and she said, do you want to go to the Congo? And I was like, I mean, yeah. Who doesn't, want to, who doesn't want to go to the Congo? Well, I'm sure crazily,
1: weirdly, a lot of people wouldn't, but, but I'm so glad you did. I said, yeah, i mean, sure. I've got nothing to do. It's, it's, a, it's a Friday. I'll
2: go to the Congo. And we set on this in, this crazy journey to try to figure out how to get all the visas because we had to go through so many different countries. And then there was crazy snowstorms and all of these barriers to getting us into this place. Yeah. But And I think that, for us, was like the true testament yeah. of our friendship because it was mm-hmm. so— and we had so many challenges. The energy of it. I mean, we could have
1: stopped being friends from a
2: trip like that. You know, we were under
1: duress, we were under no sleep. It was like really trying circumstances and it just showed
2: up for us as an opportunity to really- Learn to work together. Learn to work together. And learn to value and appreciate each other. And that's what happened. And then when we got to the Congo, we met women who had been the victim of so many traumas, but they were resilient and they were happy and they were laughing and they were dancing and they were smiling and they were tenacious. And we were just like, if you can go through that and have that energy, we have no problems. And then we got really excited. We came back to our regular lives and we decided to do that. And a year later, I left my job Eve Ensler, in 2013, said one in three women will be raped and sexually violated in her lifetime. That's a billion
1: women on this planet. A billion women.
2: She asked for a billion people to take a stance against sexual violence. We said that fashion could rise and that so many people had been through so much, but why do we always have to tell those sad stories? Why don't we just focus on the beauty and the creativity that they're doing, and when you make a purchase, you trigger an entire supply chain, from the farmers to the women, the people who do the cut and sew, the dyers, the weavers, all the different people. And so we said, that's what's gonna happen. We're gonna celebrate, and fashion can rise, and fashion can be an agent of social change. And Studio 189 was born that way, and that is what we stand for, and that's what we believe in. So, so that it's a clothing is, line. It is a clothing mm-hmm. line, women's, men's. We have a little bit of children. We also do some, some home, home wear. Ones, yeah. We opened a factory that's based in Ghana, working with the United Nations. That's how we started it. And we work with lots of different communities that specialize in different techniques. Like we have batiks, special prints. I'm wearing it, she's wearing it, made in different local fibers and fabrics. So it's been really exciting to see what people can do and see how we can work together as communities. Right now there's this moment that's happening and it's very exciting and sustainability is a trend and people are talking about, which is great because we need to, to save the planet. These are very important things. And, you know, and Africa is rising and it's a big moment for Africa. All those years ago, all this time when it wasn't fun and it was very hard and it was very difficult, she was there. I've seen her when nobody is looking, you know, fighting for, we went on vacation, like we went on vacation and we were in Sierra Leone and the next day Rosario had the entire village and the community rallying behind her and she was fighting for the rights of the... <laughs> <laughs> you know, like she was trying to figure out how to raise money and get money for the community because there had been like bad winds and somebody lost their job and the fishermen can't fish and there and people were taking sand off the beach to build houses. And she figured all of this out in three days. And I see all these African women and men and then sitting in a circle and she's she's <laughs> standing in a, in a hut. And I'm like, what is she doing? So I took my mom
1: to Sierra Leone for her 50th. It was right after my grandmother Mima passed. It was very sudden and it was very devastating for us. My grandmother's my favorite person on the planet. And I remember she got so emotional because there's this place in John o Bay that I always go to and there's a shipwreck that's like a mile off of the coast. And I we always take a boat out to there and then swim back. My mom swam back with me. And then she was like, wait a minute, that's the That's the ocean? That's the Atlantic Ocean. I've never been in the Atlantic Ocean. I'm like, mom, you're from New York. Of course you've been in the Atlantic (laughs) Ocean. She goes, Yeah, but not like that. I don't like open water. There's like sharks in there. How come you didn't tell me before I started swimming a mile in there? And I was like, I thought you knew. I was like, what did you think we were in? She's like, I thought it was like a big lake or something. I was like, mom, (laughs) come on. And um, she was only supposed to be there for a week, but then we ended up leaving. Mom stayed there for three months. She wouldn't oh. leave, and she became Big Mama. Like so, still to this day, when I go back to Sierra Leone, they're like, "How's Big Mama? <laughs> big when is Big Mama coming back?" Like I'm Little Mama, you know. Yeah, and, she's big um, mama. and it just—it was a really, it was a very transformative moment for her, and, and um, I'm so glad I've been able to share that with her.
0: <laughs> I see you as a champion yeah. because when it comes about activism, you're there and you're also an ambassador for the LGBTQ youth. I've got a a documentary actually that's gonna be coming out that I um,
1: am a producer on called Lost in America that's about homeless youth in America, a huge portion of which are LGBTQ youth because they come out to their parents and their parents kick them out. I think because my mom was a black sheep being a teenage mom, my grandmother was a black sheep because she got divorced, you know, and and had to be, be a single mother raising five kids on her own. You know, like, I've just watched these people who I think are... My, they're my greatest inspirations, but for other folks looking at it there's a different lens by which that they're, they're sort of viewed, there's so many different communities that have been left behind mm-hmm. whose accomplishments and contributions have not been recognized or appreciated. And there's just a lot of work to do. So whenever I see any kind of discrimination, I want to be there to, to push
0: back against it. How have you been able to juggle so many things with work, with your activism, and your personal life? It's relationships.
2: Can I add something about Rosario? Yeah. yeah but, you know, what her approach to is that she's so human. If she sees somebody marginalized or she sees somebody sick or someone hurt, whether it's in her family, outside of her family, she has this human quality where I mean, we we'll walk on the street and there could be someone who is in a bad way that maybe everybody else will take three steps back from. And Rosario will hug, if that person wants to hug, if that's what that person needs in that moment, and she'll do it. And she will do it blindly with her whole heart. Like I've never seen anybody else who will do something like that because she doesn't feel this difference. Like, I don't feel better than you. You know, I could be you, you could be me, so why not? We're just humans. And I feel like that's Mm -hmm. very much the reason why you champion so many causes because, You know, why not? Like we're all on this planet together.
1: You know, we treat like Motown or certain singers or celebrities like they're separate from us. Like they have some kind of other special alien, remarkable, magical quality that the rest of us can't have. Like someone like Mr. Rogers, like he was a saint. No, he was a person who was kind who thought that kindness was a value he wanted to live every single day by. You can choose to do the same thing. There are amazing, beautiful singers who can dance just as well or look just as beautiful in a dress as Beyonce, but they might not ever get that opportunity because of just, but it doesn't mean that they are any less. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just the idea that sometimes because of that history that I have that now I'm put in this lofty thing, I'm like, are you kidding me? I remember how we were treated because I was a squatter. Now I'm in this movie. Now all of a sudden I'm special. That's interesting. It really, it's clearly, it's circumstance, it's perspective, it's opportunity. And so that's, I just am grateful. Okay.
0: And before we change the topic, um, you know, with so many uh, Mm stress work, Uh, probably parents or mothers who are listening with the kids. Like, Mm. there's so many things going on that sometimes we can't even handle our lives. Uh, Just tell us how we can take the time to look around Mm. and do what you do to help others. Because it doesn't mean that we don't have a good heart. We're just no. always super stressed and busy. I would say first, it
1: kind of goes back a little bit to the question before you were going, how did you do all these things? It's relationships. You know, I think, you know, we we grew up in community. That's how our ancestors grew up was in community. You had a child, the village literally helped you raise it. Your family was there, your parents were there, your aunts and uncles, the neighbors, like everybody participated. It's a very new idea, Very there's this Western idea of you're in your one little box home by yourself. And so we've created these crazy expectations you know, a woman's supposed to have amazing children that she raises who are like spectacular. She's supposed to have her beach bod ready, ba- you know, post baby body back immediately. She's supposed to be an entrepreneur, a CEO of her company, the best cook, the best wife, the best mother, the best sister. You, you can't do that all on your own. The whole idea is that you work together with people so you can support each other, so you don't always have to be at the top notch. You can be weak sometimes. You can be tired sometimes. You're allowed to be sick and need help. And this idea that we're always supposed to just be perfect, and especially in social media, how we put it out there, we make these impossible standards that don't really see the value of people. And so for me, it's like, you don't have to be organizing on the front lines for Standing Rock. Are you at home taking care of your children? Are you doing their homework with them? Are you looking them in the eye and communicating and not just putting an iPad in front of them, but seeing them as a person and loving them genuinely? That's helping the world. That kid is gonna go out into the world and do something really powerful. When that doesn't happen, that kid can do something really destructive. You're taking care of your grandparents. You're showing up and volunteering with your community. You're taking a little bit out of your money to, to help this. Whatever that, you smile at people when you walk by, you look at them in the eyes. You're not just on your phone, in but you take the time to say hi you know like all of those different things contribute to the kindness and the goodness and the wonderfulness of this world and beauty around us I do a lot of things but I also have a career that has been remarkably successful. I've got family and friends and people around me who have resources that we've pulled together so that we could champion and support each other in all of these things that we want to do. I'm not doing this company by myself. I don't do Voto Latino by myself. So like, I get all this credit, like, how are you doing it all? I'm like, I'm not doing it all. I'm doing a lot of things and I'm getting to participate in a lot of things because I have other people supporting where I can't show up and so we do we are doing all of these things and so just know like see what that is like what are you passionate about and what is it you're showing up for and start there and know that that's enough know that it's enough there's no manual that comes with how you're supposed to raise a child or do all these different things so why is there a manual that says what success is Mm -hmm. like you determine Mm -hmm. what your success is and that's what I've I've learned over the years like that's how I'm able to do it all. As long as I keep in my gratitude and I support and honor the people that I get to work
0: with, oh my gosh, then I do get to do it all. We get Yeah, to do it that, all. yeah that, that's so true because balance is so important. Yeah. You are so used to having cameras following you everywhere, but now you are dating the presidential candidate, Cory Booker.
1: Again, one of those moments where I just see my grandmother smiling from heaven, you know, like I'm her descendant and just continuing to shine her values into the world. And that's what my amazing boyfriend so encapsulates is a lot of the values that she held really dear. I'm so sad they never got to meet. Um, but I think she'd really love him. He is, I mean, the epitome of like a public servant, of, of someone who just really wants to show up for people and, and help. He, that's just who he, community organizer, tenants, right? I mean, he just, he gets his history and how the, the things that he's been able to achieve has been on the shoulders of so many other people. And he really values that. His dad used to tell him all the time, you know, boy, you didn't, you know, you weren't, you didn't hit a home run. You were born on third base. Like, <laughs> I wasn't born on third base, but my daughter, you know, is in a lot of ways. Like She gets to have access to all these things that I wished I could have had as a kid. But that doesn't mean that she doesn't, it's not about challenging herself or trying hard or pushing or reaching for her dreams. One of my biggest, strongest um, memories I have is going to visit my Tia Sado in Puerto Rico when, when she was passing And um, I remember sitting down and talking with her. And I was 19. I had flown my mom from New York. I had flown my grandmother from South Carolina. And I had flown myself from Chicago. I was working on a film to see her before she passed. And she was looking at me because she was the wealthier sibling, the one that everyone went to. And so she would be that. She would have been that person who paid for all the flights for everybody to go. So she was looking at me. I'd only been acting a couple of years. And I'm named after her. And she was like, you know, Rosario, like, Just because you've been blessed with so much so early does not mean that your prayers are not just as vital and important. So just because you have more than your mom or your grandmother had at their age doesn't mean that you just work hard and you just pay for everything and just say, that's it, thank you. That's, this is what God wanted for me. God wants you to have what you're supposed to have. So don't be afraid to ask for more. Like keep pushing yourself. It's not just about being like,
2: Oh, okay, I'm yeah. so
1: lucky I have more mm-hmm, than that. Mm-hmm. But that might it, more than that might not be what your more is supposed to be. And, I, and it's so interesting because I've had that moment so many times in my life, being in a relationship or having a certain job and being like, I mean, we have this nice house and he wants to get married and that I should be grateful. Like I should really want this and feeling guilty and feeling bad about it. And then remembering my Tia going... It's okay for you to want more. It doesn't mean that you don't value or don't appreciate. But don't just be the one who pays for things. Be the one who's still creating and pushing and striving. And I think that might have been a trap she fell into. And she wanted to save me from that. And I think it was one of definitely the most powerful messages I've ever received in this lifetime. To remember, it's okay to ask
0: for more. Yeah, and see, maybe you had a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. You had a boyfriend and you were like, well, maybe he's okay for me. And now you're dating the... Probably the future president of the United States because you wanted more, right? Oh, no, I'm wow. just kidding. Well, thank yeah, be you- careful what you ask yeah, yeah, see? Uh-huh. First, uh, off, si, la próxima primera first. First lady, who knows? Well, we may have to wait another four years for that to happen because after our interview, Cory Booker withdrew from the presidential race. But keep an eye out for this amazing couple. Well, thank you so much for for being in the podcast, for being an inspiration for all of us, and just for reminding us that we need to take time to breathe, but also see what's going on around us to help others. Meditate, go for long walks,
1: be in nature, take deep breaths, whatever you can do to nurture yourself, because that's the thing you're passing on to your children. Mm -hmm. And that's how you're teaching other people to treat you. Mm. That's very critical. You have to love yourself and take care of yourself and value yourself. If you do not do that, you're letting other people know that it's okay to devalue you and you cannot do that. That's been very clearly passed on in my family. And so for everyone out there, just take a moment right now, take a deep breath in and just just be grateful that you're alive. Just start there.
2: Mm
0: Well, great, thank you guys. so much that mm-hmm. was beautiful right. and, and and we wish you the best thank with you. the new projects thank, thank you so much thank you. and the best for the clothing line as well thank I'm gonna you. go online and see what I can find there <laughs> and that's, that's all for today's podcast thank you so much both. Bye. gracias por todo <laughs> that's all for this episode of Juntos We Shine powered by Target I'm Karina Banda please don't forget to subscribe